The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Um, this is the Rabbi Y.Y. Rubenstein book, Refuat Talev. Refuat Talev. A, a terrific, terrific pirush on Chovat um, Levavot Bitachon. So he has two stories over here of Hashem being in life. Now, in 1988, an American airliner, Pan Am Flight 103, was flying over the little Scottish town of Lockerbie when a bomb detonated in the hold and sent 259 people hurtling to their deaths. 11 more died in the town itself. I was born in Scotland, and as I listened to the news, I felt connected to what had happened, even though I'd never really actually visited Lockerbie. I did not know that I was about to become connected to those events. Basically, on the second night, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, the second night of the disaster, one of Manchester's leading Hever Kadisha, a close friend of his, called him up, and um, he said that he needed to make a crucial call. The Hever Kadisha spent the day fruitlessly trying to gain access to the Jews who had been killed on that flight, or some Yidden on that flight. He asked if I could give him the private phone number to Scotland's Secretary of State. It was only recently that Scotland regained its own parliament, yada yada, until then it had been ruled by... At that time, the man who held the post was Sir Malcolm Rifkind, a cousin of my late wife. Shine, this guy. It was his number that the Hever Kaddisha was desperately seeking. I couldn't, of course, give out his private number, but I promise I'll call him myself. Sir Malcolm's wife was reluctant to let her husband speak to me. He just came back from this disaster in Lockerbie. He had seen the gruesome sights, and it left him shaken. However, after some persuasion and the use of the word mishpacha, he took the call. I explained the situation. I asked him for help to allow the Hever Kaddisha to do their holy work. Meaning, the Hever Kaddisha wanted to go in after this plane detonated in the sky and 259 people were just blown to bits. The Hever Kaddisha wanted to go in and do their incredibly nightmarish task of, of, of trying to pick up pieces, and, you know, etc. I explained the situation. I asked for help to allow the Hever Kaddisha to do his holy work. He responded by saying, Yehuda Yona, his name was Rabbi Y.Y. Rubenstein, Yehuda Yona, do you really think that after a body has fallen 37,000 feet, there's anything left to identify? I told him, Yid, I told him that I understood what he was saying, but I was asking for his help. The Hever Kaddisha was eventually allowed into a makeshift morgue to begin its gruesome task. What they found over the next few days was little short of astonishing. As they began the grim work of identifying the Jews among the victims, there were over 30 in total, like Jews, amongst the victims. The sights that confronted them in that morgue were indeed horrific. My friend who asked me to make the call told me it took him an entire year after the event to be able to sleep again at night. The Secretary of State's words to me were appallingly true. Listen to this. Yet, after the Jewish bodies were located, an astonishing thing became apparent. None of them had so much as a fingernail missing. Some had suffered only slight bruising. Most weren't even bruised. Uh, Another baffling fact was that although the slipstream caused by falling through the air at around 200 miles per hour, ripped clothes from the victim's bodies. Every Jew was clothed. They may have been left with only their underclothing, but their ultimate nakedness was covered. So, yeah, and it's not a happy story, but it's an impossible story. It's something that that just, just, just can't be, but it's something that says that 
and it seems that it was the Yidna over there. I, it doesn't say in the story it was only this. I can't. But that when the Chaver Kaddisha showed up, an impossible thing, and like what the uh, what the man said to him, the Secretary of State had said to him that he what he saw when he was on the scene was body parts strewn all over the place. It was impossible to identify anything. So certainly most of the bodies were decimated. But Hashem is there. And Hashem decides that for, you could say, yeah, the plane or not, but understanding that there are things that are lamala menhateva, there are things that are beyond our understanding that baffle our minds. Now listen to this. The story doesn't end. I told this tale once in a shiur I gave in London. A few months later, a young woman approached me and asked me, if what I had said was true, when I assured her that it was, a strange look of relief crossed her face, and she explained that her brother had been on that flight. She had told my story to her parents when she heard it, and had brought them a lot of comfort. Although, listen to this, although he wasn't religious, her brother had taken his tefillin with him on the flight. This is not as unusual as it sounds, as many non-religious Jews will carry some religious item like a sitter or a mezuzah for good luck. When this young man's body was found in a Scottish forest, three days after the explosion, he was lying in a fetal position, and beside him, next to his stomach, impossibly, inexplicably, in their velvet bag were his tefillin. I have no way of knowing precisely where his tefillin were at the time of the disaster. Perhaps they were in the hold. Perhaps they were in a carry-on bag above his seat. He may even have been such a nervous flyer that he sat the whole time grasping them in his hand. No matter where those tefillin had been, it would have made no difference whatsoever as they fell for seven miles at such a velocity, they would have been ripped from the strongest hands. Yet, there they were, lying beside an apparently undamaged and dressed body. The chances of what occurred are not tiny, they're zero. What happened could not have happened. Meaning, it's not possible. It's just, but it did. It just, it just did. So, we have to sit for a moment, and we have to think, for a yid is a story unusual? And the answer is, thankfully not. All of us have heard or know or have had stories happen to us. I, I, you know, I don't know to what degree, higher, smaller, better, worse, I don't know. But that we point to things and we say, there's something bigger going on. There's something beyond the laws of nature that are completely out of whack with the things that we can possibly ever make sense of. Listen to this crazy story. Just one more. One more for the books. He was saying how he's himself been in certain dark times, this rabbi. He said, I felt like that not too long ago. Life seemed dark and I felt very alone. Then I remembered a different story I played part in. My oldest son is a professional photographer who lives in Jerusalem. He says he works today in taking photographs of certain manuscripts before they decay. Three years ago, his doctor told him that he'd be blind by the age of 40. I mean, to me, that's the most petrifying thing. Uh, you know, something chas v'shalom, that, that, that should happen. My son, unfortunately, is no stranger to life's dark times. He's brave. He's always found his way in particular gloom forests. This news threatened to overwhelm him, though. It certainly overwhelmed me. Shortly afterward, he was flying home to Israel from Manchester. His Lufthansa flight via Germany was canceled. Typical Lufthansa. He decided to pay another 50 pounds, another 50 quid, 
and at least moved to a seat with extra legroom. He got onto a no-frills airline. He got onto like Air Alibaba or something. And um, over there, you know, you got to pay for everything. It's like, oh, oh you want a seat? Yes, yeah, right. So, guy, you got to right. Friends don't let friends fly spirits, right? That's the lesson. So, um, so you have to pay for everything. And so he needed like a little bit more legroom, i.e., to not sit in the overhead compartment. So he paid an extra fifty quid, and he ends up with a little extra legroom. My son found himself sitting next to someone who greeted him warmly. He returned the greeting and was asked if he lived in Israel or the UK. My son said, I live in Yerushalayim. His neighbor noted that they shared the same Manchester accent asked, but you were brought up in Manchester, yeah? Yes, my son replied, but I was actually born in Gateshead. Oh, said the man. I studied medicine at Newcastle University across the river from Gateshead. When I was there, I used to learn with a well-known rabbi. Have you ever heard of Rabbi Y.Y. Rubenstein? This man says to the kid, and the son said, well, that's my father. Hearing that he was sitting beside a doctor, my son decided to tell him his recent terrible prognosis, that he'd be blind within 10 years. The doctor listened, frowning. Then he replied, actually, you're quite wrong. I'm an eye specialist. 18 months ago, we developed a procedure to stop this condition in its tracks. I'll be happy to, f- to perform it for you. That doctor lives in Renana. I first met him. The rabbi writing this said, I first met this doctor 34 years before he met my son on that flight. Project Seed, that's where they send out um, yeshiva bachers to go to different communities and learn in the summer. Project Seed had come to the UK from the United States and it took root in Gateshead. Along with 20 B'nai Torah, I used to cross the River Tyne once a week to teach college students and members of that Newcastle community who are eager to learn. I have taught many, many thousands of Talmidim and Talmidot all over the world since then, possibly tens of thousands. That doctor, Andrew Fink, was my first ever student. Dr. Fink performed the surgery on my son. His sight will now never fall into darkness, nor will mine. Great line. 34 years ago, he sat with a guy someplace in Newcastle that I only know about it because of the beer. And he, they sat and learned, and little would he know that, that, that my son will be canceled by Lufthansa Chotoy and will then go on a no-frills plane and pay the extra 50 quid to have the seat right after he got the prognosis to sit next to the professional who just figured out how to make that happen, who happens to be the guy that the father learned with. Hashem is here with us, guys. He hasn't gone anywhere. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.